Hey guys, welcome back to the TBN Podcast. I'm your host, Gunnar Michelli. So today we have Mr. Gareth Jewais down man? there on Sea Shift, Longview Fire. He is the, the, I don't know, what do you call you? I mean, everyone, everyone knows you. Everyone knows you, everyone yeah. loves you. Like you're just somebody that no one can, just can't have enough of. And I don't know if everyone would agree with that, but. I don't know. Trent loves you no matter how much. He talks crap, yeah. and don't get into each other's butt. He does yeah. love you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're, that's my work wife. Oh, yeah. It is hilarious. <clears throat> so, yeah. What's up, bud? Thanks man. for having me. Oh, man. It's been awesome. So we've been talking about this for a long time, about yeah. getting on here and stuff. And last time, we was going through some things, and we never got to. And we finally uh, sat down and found a day. And like then, of course, that I don't text very well and not a very good conversator on the phone. Mm-hmm. We finally decided to do it. He's like, 26 work? About four days after that. Oh, yeah, let's, let's run it. <laughs> yeah, I, don't know how you, I don't know how you live your life like that. It sucks. It's probably because you're out here in the middle of nowhere. Do you even get signal? Uh, No, actually. Not very good signal. Yeah. So I think I probably have one or two bars right now. Uh, I got two. And so we run off of Wi-Fi, and we barely get that. And Jeez. this is how it is. That's the life of Gunnar Michelli and his family yeah. that lives on this compound. Yeah. Bunch of Neanderthals. I love it though. What Guys, you been up to, man? Uh, did you work last night? Yeah, we worked last night. How'd it go? Man, Medic Seven's helping us a lot. Yeah, a lot. Yeah. Were you on it last night? No, I wasn't. I was at one, but like, so we went for an average in probably I think at least sixteen calls a shift, if not twenty, and now we're like maybe running ten. Like ten's a high number for us now. It has been so nice. Um, we ran five last night. We had a jaws call. Yeah. Was, yeah. It was actually a minor wreck that turned into a jaw skull, and it was nothing about that wreck was minor. <laughs> <laughs> you know how it would PD. It's, yeah. That it's shit been a goes, while but, since um, I run a good jaw skull. I know. We just don't have them that often. And Nacogdoches over here, bro, all the time. Wow. I guarantee you it's weekly. They're running like a severe jaw skull. Yeah. Like fatalities and stuff. It's yeah. Because you got 21 that runs kind of through St. Augustine, through here to Nacogdoches. Well, you have another major highway, Highway 7. That comes through like center and stuff, and so those are just two major highways, tons of traffic, and it's so bendy and whatnot, and um, it's just cute yeah. bad wrecks. We worked a bad one over here right in front of the church yeah. the other day. Excuse me, but it's it's good, it's good. So what's new at the all station? Anything fun? Anything adventurous? Um, down in the hood, buddy. We just uh, I think seven. We it made me more helping us a little tertiary just. Kind of third. We're probably staying in our district mm-hmm. more. Uh, but we're just training a lot on the truck. And uh, my driver, myself, and even our captain, we're all just a year or more on the truck. So uh, learning the craft, being a student again. You know, I was at one for so many years. Kind of got my rhythm. And then truck work's just a different animal. Mm-hmm. So on the truck, uh, if you used to go back... And look, uh, I guess your engine days and stuff. Would you rather be on the truck than the engine? Jeez, on video, um, I'm, <laughs> I'm, it. I love being on the nozzle. There's mm-hmm. nothing like it. I, I, again, I'm enjoying being a student of it. I'm learning, uh, and I think with that is going to be where I find my passions and and uh, what I'm leaning to. Uh, but I don't know if there's anything in the service like being on the nozzle. Yes. So consistently, uh, are you on the truck? Do you ever go kind of on the engine or are you still trying to like make sure you're getting all the truck time possible? Uh, 
we're dealing with the same thing. Everyone else is lots of apprentices. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I kind of go with the, go with the city needs me. Um, so I ride the medic a bit here lately and, Mm -hmm. um, I haven't been tailboard on the engine while I've been down there. I've really? Driven, I've driven it a few times. Uh, but Cap likes to keep the truck together for the most part. I understand, yeah. Um, but, yeah, because we've got so many apprentices now, they just put medics where they need them. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. How about you guys? Are you just traveling out any? or? Oh, no. No. Uh, really? Cap does a good job of keeping us in-house. Nice. Every now and then. I think Robbie's had to go out once to Station 2. Okay. To go get, uh, you know, tortured by Captain Daniels, but yeah, thank God it's better him than me. Yeah, because <laughs> you can't yeah. sleep around that man. You can't do anything. No. <laughs> but no. it Shirley's down there, so Shirley does take a lot of that uh, yeah. torture. So it's nice. Yeah. No. But um, thing about Juwes is that he takes a pretty big leadership role with the new hires and stuff. And I kind of want to talk to you about that. So like, what kind of like gave you the um, thought or like the passion or? To, or the want to even kind of like take such a leadership role with them. With the new guys? Yeah. Um, I think that it was probably, I want to say it was, it's got more to do with when I came on and how and what the department looked like. Um, you know, I didn't get a fire program or anything mm-hmm. like that. It was do the orientation and it was a city orientation. So get your passwords, get familiar with how the city works. Um, and then that's it. You're, you're in, uh, and the new guys 10 years ago were, you know, do more than speak more left to your own devices. Uh, there wasn't that investment into how to be successful Mm -hmm. from all aspects from, you know, how to, financially be successful how to uh handle different personalities in the station i came very sheltered growing up um very foreign to uh kind of the way of the station the way of the kitchen table Mm -hmm. so it was all a shock to me um and the people that we're hiring today the kids that we're hiring today uh are even in itself a very different breed. So seeing the turnover, seeing how many guys we were losing, uh, how many guys were kind of just falling through the cracks mm-hmm. and already getting bad reputations very early. Uh, I just kind of, and it started in our house, just took it upon ourselves at one. And I was, you know, back at one then like, this is, we're going to just take you from start to finish and teach you about this. And, you know, I mean, We've had to train, had to actually teach guys how to load the dishwasher, how to put uh, laundry detergent in the machine. I mean, you know, they're coming from mom's house. Mom did it, you know, Mm -hmm. two weeks prior. Then you come and be a big boy fireman, and uh, it's all on you. It's crazy. And that's the thing. And, uh, like, it goes way beyond the job for you. Like, you're teaching these guys, you know, how to be financially responsible, which these days a lot of kids lack. Sure. They like it. It's not even their fault. Yeah. They just, it's Culturally. never talked about yeah. and, um, and stuff and, and know how to cook. Juwes is a phenomenal cook. We love him at one <laughs> just because he knows how to cook. <laughs> yeah. But, um, and that's another thing. Like, no one knows how to cook these days, especially people, you know, my age and younger. Yeah. They just never really had to. 
Right. You know, which I yeah. like cooking, so it's not so hard on me, but um, I've seen it. Like, these guys don't even know how to boil water. Yeah. And it's crazy, but uh, it's just what it is. But, Julius, I want to know about your life from start to finish. Jeez. Or it's not finished yet, but, like, start. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, where you came from and stuff like that, because he's got a very unique story, and I uh, love yeah. hearing it. Yeah, I was I was born in Cape Town, South Africa. Um, mom, dad, younger sister, lived there till 2005. My dad got a job opportunity in East Texas. Uh, it was like a three-year project. Um, so we moved here in 2005. I was 15 to Marshall, Texas. And a uh, big culture shock went from 4 million people to 25,000. And they're uh, all cousins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, everyone knows each other. You're, yeah. you're the outsider. And then uh, the project ended and we stayed and I, uh, I graduated high school uh, got married young uh, so just kind of started building a life in in East Texas uh, started fire service 2009 and then uh, went through paramedic school and got on with Longview January of 13 so I'm Last week was my 10-year anniversary. Oh, really? Yeah. Man, congrats. Yeah, thanks. So did you start in like a volunteer, or was it kind of like a combination? Yeah, I was an ESD. Was it Harrison um, County? Mm-hmm. Okay. Harrison, Harrison County ESD 3 uh, in Scottsville, Texas. So uh, how was that dynamic, going from that to the pay department? Um, the I'm a huge – my whole life has been under mentorship, mm-hmm. um, and I've been very blessed – to have mentors, my dad being the biggest one, but uh, I've gone from mentor to mentor my whole life. Mm-hmm. So I was really uh, fortunate to meet a guy who was a big influence in my career, uh, and he was a part of this volunteer department, and he just kept putting me on the right track. You know, mm-hmm. uh, so my time as a volunteer was very active. Uh, it's still volunteer. It's still mm-hmm. Tuesday meetings and, and you know, guys of different backgrounds trying to put some sort of fire service training together. Yeah. Um, but I was exposed to a lot of how to be successful as a man amongst men from the guys that I was around in That's that, awesome. Uh, in that uh, time of my life. That's awesome. So as far as your dad, so... Kind of what was your family work like down in Cape Town? Yeah, so um, my mom has always been in tourism. Uh, Cape Town is a big tourist destination. Uh, my grandmother owned a kind of boutique hotel. Uh, it was 24-bed kind of bed and breakfast mm-hmm. uh, setup. And my mom ran that. My dad's been in IT, uh, been in computers, uh, which, again, like that upbringing. Fast forward, a fireman in East Texas we didn't have chainsaws and a tool room and I didn't have exposure to uh, things that are just kind of rite of passage of East Texas boys, you know, yeah. like, uh, we didn't have duck blinds and, mm-hmm. and hunting traps and like, that wasn't my life. So uh, um, maybe we get to it later, but I came in as the outsider. I didn't even know it yet. <laughs> <laughs> Not to mention the foreigner, you know? Like, yeah. Uh, so yeah, but my my dad was uh, in computers. Um, his whole life's been in in IT. Uh, so yeah. 
So whenever you came over, um, whenever you was kind of, I guess, went to school more or less, how did how was that transition? Were like the kids nice to you? Were they kind of rejective or? So I was homeschooled. Oh, that's um, right. I was homeschooled from fifth grade, I think, and then we came here. We kind of joined this little co-op, homeschool co-op, where there was other kids kind of in the same mm-hmm. space. Um, but if you can believe it, I have no problem making friends. So no. I just, uh, it didn't matter. I There's a lot of, like, the the stereotype of homeschool kids of just being awkward and, and mm-hmm. non-social. And that just wasn't the case for me. I was able to kind of overcome that pretty naturally. Um so I don't, I've never been in public school uh, that doesn't have any kind of those experiences. Um, and then I've also been working since I was 15. I, mm-hmm. I've, uh, my whole life's been in sales of some sort. So interacting with strangers uh, was kind of brought in me, trained in me from an early age as well. Is your daughter going to public school? She's in uh, in kindergarten. And it's a private school, right? Okay, now. Cool. we're we're talking about it. We'll see. Yeah, some of the things happening in my life. I may be moving uh, town, and there's a really good public school, but more, it's daunting. It's it's Where a huge Hallsville. Hallsville? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's a huge. As a parent, it's a huge. Yeah. What do you do? Like private school and first public school, and I'm not gonna lie, private schools. I felt at least the interactions and conversations I've had. Like I feel like. They are smarter than me. <laughs> they get like a better education. But I think a lot of that was due to my own choosing. I chose to party and, you know, kind of yeah. fuck off growing up. So, like, you know, like yeah. it's what you make it. You sure. know what I mean? Yeah. And there's yeah. people that I went to high school with are now lawyers. So, right. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, yeah. it is what it is. But uh, sports, the sports and like giving her opportunities and stuff, it'd probably be good for her, you know? Right. But, and especially that being a good school because I've heard nothing but good things about that school. Yeah. But yeah, um, no, it's, it's, uh, well, I guess sit down with her mom and and chat that one out. Yeah. So. Uh, but besides that, yeah, it's pretty unique coming from Africa then into this and to like, um, especially East Texas. It is, yeah. And I, uh, I'm a very different East Texas fireman. You know, I don't hunt, I don't mm-hmm. fish, I don't like beer. I can out shop all your wives. <laughs> uh, you put that in. You put that in. Uh, and a bunch of redneck hick firemen, like it doesn't go well. No, you know, it doesn't. Like, what do you talk about? And there's for a, for my younger years, I conformed. I just wanted to be part of the guys, and so I'd learn, you know, sayings and phrases to make it sound like I knew what I was talking about, yeah. just to be part of it. Like, mm-hmm. and and it, uh, it took some maturity to kind of come out of that and be like, I am who I am, and mm-hmm. you can either enjoy it, and and I'll tell you my side of life and you can tell me yours or not. Like, Oh, I think if, if I was ever in that situation, I would just start talking shit. I mean, you have nothing to relate to him to start talking shit and yeah. build a bond. <laughs> yeah. My, uh, you know, I, you know, man, a cold front's coming. Them ducks going to lay low today. <laughs> I have no idea what that means. I have no clue. But I, but I liked it when I said it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I've never been duck hunting. I have no desire to. <laughs> Too early, too cold. Oh, David, that was but, funny. Yeah, but but I guess we'll move on to like the more serious conversations. Come on, 
so um, Juace, he's the um, he won the Nobel Peace uh, Nobel Peace Prize of Longview of the Brotherhood Award, and I so I'm not joking, but it really it's it's a serious thing because he, he not only just talks about it, he he is about it, and we'll go through stories and I'll be able to explain to like what he's done and stuff, but like what does Brotherhood mean to you? It's, if you could put it in one sentence, yeah, I don't think I can. It's such a charged word. I think that it, it also became Hollywoodized, where it was like this coined phrase that, and we stole it from the military, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but it's a commitment. It's a commitment to uh, loving you because of a shared uh, truth. And for us, it's the patch, right? Like, mm-hmm. I commit to helping you out of your hard time because you wear the same thing on your shoulder as I do. Not because we're best friends or not friends. You know, one thing in our department, we've got, because of kind of the dynamic and the size, mm-hmm. you've got groups of friends, right? And yeah. those, it's easy to help your buddy. It's easy to help your friend uh, with whatever, moving or, or whatever that looks like. Yeah, because it's your buddy. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you spend time together, off duty, hanging out. Um, but because he's got the same patch as you and, works in another station on another shift and is in need, it's a little harder to to swallow, to get away from your day um, because he's in the brotherhood. So uh, I think, yeah, it's a commitment to one another. Mm-hmm. Oh, I totally agree. And off those characteristics you said, um, it's just because it's an act of service, and it's an act of service that's selfless Yeah, and being non-selfish. I mean, because, um, like, for my brothers, I would, if any, they needed anything out of me today, I, if even if my life depended on it, I would have them. Yeah. You know, and I would do anything in my power to help them or even die for them. And that's the same way I look at it there. That's the same way I looked at it when I was in the Marines, you know, like, yeah. even, because, like, even there, you don't like everybody. You don't have to like yeah. them, you know, yeah. but they are wearing the same patch. They are sharing the same culture as you, but so you should love them. Yeah. Does does brotherhood get taught in the Marines? I mean, is it? Do you sit your you got you were a sergeant? Yes. Yeah. So you sit your guys down and say, "This will be how it is. This is how it's going to work from here on out. You will keep your boys accountable. You will be there when they call you. Or is it just an organic, natural evolution? I think it's more organic than anything. Uh, I think everyone already. Yeah, I would say it's organic because everyone already had the understanding. Mm. You know. Um, I mean, they talk about it, you know, boot camp about brotherhood and stuff and growing on and talk about it. But um, it's when you live with these guys and, like, you really conform into a family because yeah. you're living with them. Like, yeah. you, they are literally your brothers. And, you know, and uh, examples of that is, like, when we'd have new Marines or whatever that come to our unit, other, you know, units and other places, they would try to screw with our guys and stuff like that, in which we just we just met these guys, you know, they're – they're not part of us technically right. yet. Well, they are technically, but like we don't. It's it's a weird dynamic, but yeah. we wouldn't let anybody mess with them, that's regardless or not. But we could, but that's, nobody else could. Right. Yeah. But um, have you heard of the phrase "writing for the brand"? Mm-mm. Uh, it's it's a poem actually about these uh, cowboys on the uh, Wagner Ranch um, out in West Texas, but. The idea that you came to us and asked us for a job. Mm-hmm. And when 
you got that job, you became, you started writing for this brand. And the brand is the organization, mm -hmm. the company, the unit, whatever that, that looks like. But if you're going to write for the brand, there's an accountability that this is how the brand works. This is how this organization mm -hmm. works. And if you do it, you do it the way the unit does it. Mm -hmm. So uh, in, in the kind of conversation is you live by the brand and you die by the brand. Um, and for those that do, just like what you're saying, like, you know, we've got guys, new guys, uh, and I tell them all the time, when you're at work, whatever station you're at, that is the best station you've been to, right? Mm -hmm. That is the best part because you're there because your guys are going to make it the best. That is the best engine in the city. You go to an, you get floated out to another one. That one's going to be the best in the city, right? Like you decide that today. Yes, um, and you take pride in that. And mm -hmm. there's 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 pride in the department. You and I have had this conversation recently. Like there's loyalty to the to the organization. Mm -hmm. It may not it may be flawed. It may not be doing everything right right now, but I am loyal to it. Oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? And that's where we're having problems. Yeah, you know. And I think it goes beyond that. Um, I think there's some people that come into this job and look at it as a job, you know? Yeah. And I think that's reflective of to a lot of people's not, you know, somewhere, but Dallas areas pay more. You knew that coming into it. Why did you just not go test with them from the beginning? Yeah. Because like for us, you know, like coming to work at Longview means something like you're coming that's to it. be part of, you know, that's our it. brand and yeah. our brand's aggressive and we care about our culture. That's we it. care about being badass. Yeah. But, um, and essentially, you know, if you feel that way, like you, if you're that type to that is non-loyal to move on, just go because we don't want you. Or in your interview, mm -hmm. say, guys, I'm working here because it's a stepping stone and I need to move. And if we hire you knowing that, then, yeah. you know, we made an arrangement between because we need you more than you need us. But don't come and sit in that table mm -hmm. and say, I'm going to move my family here. I want to, you know, part of my character traits are loyalty and integrity and then slide under the table when the dollar gets pushed, you know. So you're on the interview board. How many times do you hear this? Oh, I mean, it's every, yeah, it's every day. And it's, it's cookie cutter, you know, like mm -hmm. it's prearranged uh, decision that, you know, they've decided to say it before they walk in. And like be genuine, be, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, we could probably do a whole podcast on how to get hired. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it, it's, you know, they, they they say it all the time. And, you know, you want to believe them, mm -hmm. um, but we don't, you know, our department has flaws and we don't pay the most and the ambulance is going to kick you in the nuts and it, it is what it is. Um, but we told you that, mm -hmm. you know. But we also told you we're going to train you. We're going to make you better. You're going to get opportunities just like everyone else is to be on the nozzle, to fight fire. We fight a lot of fire for the size of city we are. Um, so if you want to grow, if you want to learn, come play. Oh, absolutely. And going to talk about loyalty. Loyalty is a very huge characteristic when it comes to brotherhood. Mm -hmm. Because, um, I mean, because you have these people um, that talk behind your back. And they love to talk about you. They love to conversate about you. And that's just the, how they are. They, they're gossip buddies and stuff. But um, brotherhood and loyalty, essentially, in which I'm probably a hypocrite of this sometimes. I'm not going to lie because we get aggravated with each other and whatever. But, like, um, and I think we're all probably faulted that, you know. But 
your brothers and stuff, like you could talk about it with other brothers and stuff if you have like concerning conversations with them, but you don't go run into everybody just trying to bash their name and trying to ruin them. Because, uh, I mean, they you might not like them and they might aggravate the hell out of you, but it's still your brother. And yeah. you should essentially want what's best for him, regardless of how he is or what he's not. Um, yeah. But loyalty is a strong word in the essence is what I'm trying to say. Um, what are some other like characteristics that you'd say that brotherhood kind of stands on? Um, I think it's sacrifice and, you know, it's very easy and it's very cheap to say, you know, Hey, I'm dealing with something. All right, well, call me if you need me. You know what I mean? And that's, that's the end of it. Like Mm -hmm. you don't think about it again. All right, buddy, we'll we'll be praying for you. And that's the end of it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, where, the active part of that is actually being there. It's actually doing something about it. Finding what you are, what is in your control, what you have control over, what you have influence over to rectify, make right, um, improve their situation. So, And it doesn't have to be grand, but mm-hmm. it's sacrifice. It means leaving your comfy couch on your day off and going and mowing your buddy's yard you don't have to talk to him. You don't have to tell him it was you. He just has to come out and see that his yard was mowed because he's having a crappy situation or day or, you know. Yeah. And that's the thing. And uh, I'm going to share a couple stories with y'all. And like uh, stuff that's happened in our department uh, that people's took in, uh, they really lived up to it. And, you know, so we have uh, Kyle Lipskin. Like uh, when the, him and his family was going through that horrible situation and stuff, uh, and it was very dark. You know, and uh, I've had a conversation with him and stuff, and that's why he's so involved in the brotherhood stuff now and whatnot is because, like, whenever they lost their child at the hospital, there was a fireman there all day. And how many days did that go? Was it just that day or did it go a Um, couple of days? They were there just over 24 hours. Just over 24 hours. And, uh, I mean, it was just fire truck after fire truck rolling through there just to make sure and checking on them and sitting up there with them as they were going through this process. And, um, man, and that, and that speaks a lot, you know, and, uh, Trent the other day, uh, him and his wife had a scare with their, um, baby, whatever. And, um, so he went home and stuff. Well, before he even got to the hospital, Jewey's already had, um, people traded. So, uh, Trent could take off the next two days to be with his wife and figure things out. Yeah, two people already lined up to work for Trent. Then he's over there texting me, like, hey, we got to get something for these guys and stuff and to their families. So they're sacrificing their dad to go help somebody else and stuff. And that's just like, that's what it is. That's what it's about. Because it, it's easy to it's easy to do stuff for somebody when everything is all good and gracious and stuff. But when, like like you said, whenever times get hard and times get dark and they really need somebody, like people are selfishly stepping up to make things happen. Yeah, so... Uh... Yeah, we'll go over. So the thing, uh, one of our brothers, uh, they went full term knowing that the baby had mm-hmm. um, some defects that were incompatible with life. Uh, that was their decision to to take it to term. Um, and that them and their family, they were dealing with, with enough uh, emotional turmoil that they were going through that we just... We just had to be there, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, it just wasn't an excuse not to. So uh, that's kind of where that kind of, 
I would say the most recent reignition of the activation. So Mm -hmm. this kind of coin, this phrase that I'm coining is activating the brotherhood. Mm -hmm. And the brotherhood lives dormant. It lives sleeping where, yes, you're my brother and and you and I have a brotherhood together. But as long as you don't need it, then it's really Mm -hmm. easy. Mm-hmm. Um, because everything's fine and there's no problems and you don't need me and I don't need you. So it's easy to say that you and I are in this brotherhood. The moment that there is a need, now we'll see who's active mm-hmm. and who's dormant, right? So uh, overnight, there's this need. And uh, my goal or or what was kind of laid upon my heart is if he's there, we're there. So I started calling guys. I said, I just want an hour of your time to be in that waiting room. He may not see you. They may not come out for that hour, but uh, we're committing. If he's in that hospital, we're in that hospital. Mm -hmm. And uh, at first it was like pulling teeth. It was tough to just get guys to come and sit for an hour. Um, And it's, and it's, it's, hard for everyone like this is you know there's we all have lives and side jobs and families and kids and all of that matters all of Mm -hmm. that has uh validity um i spoke to a guy and he's he's a leader he's a really uh really good friend of mine but this is just an example of how quickly we get into life over uh our self life Mm -hmm. um and i said hey trying to get guys to come in i've got some gaps 11 p.m. midnight, do you mind coming in and just sitting for an hour? Man, uh, my, my boy's got T-ball, and it's I got to put them, you know, after that, we got to do bed routine. And I said, yeah, I'm asking for a bit later. Man, you're, you're really trying to sell me on this, aren't you? I said, no, I'm just asking you to come and sit in a room for with quiet for about an hour and you can even thank God that your boys are able to play T-ball because mm-hmm. the guy two rooms over, this kid's not leaving this place. You're damn right. I'm, I'm, I'll be there. I'm so sorry. And it was just that like real quick mm-hmm. realization that in the grand scheme of things, this one T-ball practice, and I understand that everyone's got wives and, and we all work a lot, but for this hour, I need you to sacrifice. And, and it wasn't. I need you to sacrifice, but mm-hmm. the boys needed you. You know what I mean? That's powerful, bro. Yeah. And so, uh, and we did it. Like we got the, we got it. And in that, uh, space, in that time, uh, I sat on my laptop and I just kind of wrote out some, uh, notes for my life. Like, here's what I, what I want to commit to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I believe that it's a God-given gift of of kind of having that gift of leadership and mm-hmm. and being passionate and being good about it. But it's informal. I'm a I'm a tailboard fireman. I have no rank. Mm-hmm. Um, so my influence is uh, going to be here's what you can do for the for the brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Trent Trent's one of my best friends. We came through the. Uh, Department together, went to medic school together. Um, he doesn't have an option. Like, there's some guys that you're going to help to that level of, of boundary. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't – Trent can 
throw that boundary away. I'm, yeah. I'll walk in his house if I need to. <laughs> so, so when he was, when, when he was having his little scare, like it, and, and the guys came through, I just made the phone call. I didn't, mm. you know, I, and you know, I've started, I've got on my phone, I got notes like, who do I call when someone needs money? I've got a list of guys. Who do I call when someone needs labor? I got a list of guys. Um, and so then I've got a list like, who am I trader? Like, who will work when, when needed? Um, John Velez, guy's an absolute legend. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's what every, I think, rookie needs to aspire yeah. to. Okay. Um, but, yeah, call him. Hey, I need you. This is what it looks like. I'll pay you whatever it needs. Yeah, you're not paying me anything. I'll be there. That's that was the conversation. Hung mm-hmm. up. Uh, you, Willis Corman, dude, the guy's a big kid. He's what six two, strong as an ox. Bro. Um, he is what I liked. He is a nuclear power plant full of potential energy. I get like ten years younger every time I'm around him because he is just like bubbling with. Bro, he's awesome with joy. With. And this the conversation. Hey. Can you do me a favor? Yeah. When? What do you want me to tell you what the favor is? Yeah. I need you to work. Yeah, I will. Okay. What are you doing? I'm playing video games. Is this going to take much longer? (laughs) Leave me alone. I'll help you. Uh, So those guys were were the power behind it. You know. Mm -hmm. Hey, what you know? What do you need for us? Nothing. I'm not taking a dollar. You know. Um, And so that's that's the end of that. Right now training the muscle is now I want to do something for them and their families because they said yes quickly. They were quick to activate their mm-hmm. brotherhood. Um, but now they're, they're, they got kids and wives. And so for what a trade would cost, if I'm going to, you know, and I called you and I said, and yeah, I'll give you a hard time, but like if all he asked for was energy drink, like that's, he's like, yeah, give me a C4. I'll be good. So I wanted like each one of you to put one down on the table and say, this is from all of us. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And order him a pack. I think it was a pack of 24 I ordered. Nice. A C4 energy drink. Yeah. I'll just text him about it and see if he got him. Yeah. He hasn't got him yet, but gotcha. Um, and yeah, because like for the cost of an energy drink, you're going to be there for my guy. Yeah. Ten like four, No problem. You know what I mean? Um, and then Velez, he's got three kids, you know, like, Guy's got working on a basketball team, and uh, and you know he's got a wife that that's home a lot. So mm-hmm. like we're gonna bless them. So yeah, I call you and be like, hey, I need you to go get toys for these. Like, yeah, I'm not doing that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll get the snuff. You get the toys. Like you're such a jarhead. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I wouldn't even know where to start. You wouldn't. No, I wouldn't even know where to start. Yeah. yeah. But um, no, and I went and uh, got him to school, whatever, and he's like, bro, I. ain't did skull in so long, like this is this is rich man's dip. I'm like, I have no idea. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I just bought it. I don't know what's going yeah, on. You know, but I haven't dipped in years. And when I did dip, I didn't do it seriously. So you know. But and that's the thing. Like, and when they showed up to work, their attitude was phenomenal. Like you'd expect yeah. them to be. Like you'd never think they would have been had to be there. Yeah, you no, know, those guys are. And opportunities happened during that. Corman got to pump his first house fire. Heck yeah. You know? Yeah. And so, like, you know, that makes yeah. that much better. Yeah. And, like, God works things in a certain way. Absolutely. I don't know, man. It's just yeah. so dynamic. But Yeah, with that, without a doubt. And, and you know, in fact, spoke to Trent, and he was like, I can't wait 
to pay this back. I can't wait to to pay it forward. And his wife, you know, it's tough for mm-hmm. for our families to understand why we're trading for free and why we're you know going the extra mile. And, and he said to her, it was really cool. He said, uh, "You remember when I used to stay over on Christmas so the guys with kids can can go home and be do Christmas with their kids, or how I'd come in early so the guy can go." go baseball tournament for the day or whatever the case is. This is why mm-hmm. they're, they're working for me. Like it, it's all coming back. Um, and we don't keep record of it and it's not like, Hey, I, I did this for you. You did this for me. But that is the brotherhood that you want to know what it looks like. That's what it looks like. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's laying down your life for your brother. And man, and like, I don't know. Like, so when that was going on with Trent, I'm very close to Trent. Yeah, and so like, I was scared. I was scared shitless. Like I like it put me in a bad way because you yeah. know like I, I was like man like I was sitting there like I it was like at four in the morning I woke up I went straight to the chair I went and started praying yeah I started went praying hard yeah I'm like God please just let everything be okay and stuff like that and um then once you know the shift was over you know we we got them some breakfast brought them breakfast and stuff they just got back from the hospital and stuff just stepped into the door and I left. That's it. And um, so then I called him on the phone, and he kind of told me what was going on. So I got on the phone and started calling some people to get an opinion on this. And one was OBGYN, and I heard some good news there. And I'm like, Trent, uh, maybe, like, I don't want to, you know, yeah. give you false hope, but this is what he thinks. And um, sure enough, so, like, we are, and he's good. Everything's good. That's it. And so we we got what we prayed for. Yeah. But, um, you know, I'm sure other places are doing it right like this. You know, I, th- I don't think we're the yeah, only I, one. Absolutely, but um, I just hope that we can keep this moving in a fa- in a good momentum, like where it just don't die. And how, like, I know things like this is what helps it not die. But like, what is like an intentional action you could take for your department so the brotherhood won't die or be reignited? So I think you draw a line in the sand, and you say yesterday happened the way that we were, what we accepted yesterday is over with as of today, this is what the new standard is going to be. Um, and you get like-minded guys around you. And so that's what, that's what, what we did is we said, uh, there are great guys five years mm-hmm. and older, five years uh, and senior. Um, but we drew a line in the sand. We said five years down, we are going to make sure that you are invested in, to the best of our ability, that everything that we have as senior guys, as 10-year, 12-year guys, mm-hmm. that we're going to impart into the new guys for those first five years. Informal, not sanctioned by training division, department, anything like that. We are just committing to giving you everything we've got from our first 10 years of service into your first 24, 36 months. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, kind of being as vague as I can, but we've made informal leadership about as formal as you can. Yeah. Um, and where we're giving them resources, making sure that they are not a week, two weeks without a phone call. Um, hey, what's going on? You know, and that's, that's sacrifice. Like, on, yeah. you know, if I'm in the city, I got some time to kill on my day off. I go and look and see who's at what station and just, Hey, what's going on, man? Hadn't seen you in a while. What's new? What's what, you know, um, and those things matter to these guys. These, you know, this is their first fire job or their first uh, exposure to maybe bigger city firefighting. 
Um, and we're trying to do as much handholding as we can. And, you know, once, so kind of what we see is they go <clears throat> till they're checked off till they're uh, mm-hmm. kind of free to outside of their probationary part. And then we start making them help. Uh, mm-hmm. and they start imparting, um, We've got a class that's about to start paramedic school. So the guys that just finished paramedic school start imparting into, hey, these are my study tips. This is how you uh, are going to go through clinicals. This is what was tough about mine. Maybe this is what you can do better mm-hmm. uh, so that uh, you're accountable to and accountable for. Yeah. And what I really like about that is not it's not only just based off of work or whatever, but it's also like it's big into – bringing them together of like having events and stuff like yeah. that we got coming up this Sunday and stuff. Yeah. And I think that's something that we're lacking hardcore right now. Yeah. You know, yeah. As I an mean, organization. Right. It's, it's not the fire department's job to uh, make sure that you're doing okay. Mm-hmm. That's my job. That's your job, mm-hmm. right? The fire department's job is to make sure that your job is safe and uh, you have the equipment that you need and you get a paycheck for mm-hmm. two weeks. Um, your success uh, with your family, the first time that you've got to work on shift and you're doing a 2448, and this is the first time your wife has been on a 2448 mm-hmm. schedule, this is the first time your kids don't see you every third day, those are big parts of your life mm-hmm. that you're so focused on what's about to happen, paramedic school, getting there early, being a good rookie. Like those resources kind of get pushed by the wayside. Uh, all while of building up and then two, three, four years in, you're getting divorced. Like the divorce rate for fire uh, in our fire department specifically was way too high. Me included. I got divorced um, here a couple of years ago. Thanks for asking. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, I'm good. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it's uh, Yeah, no, she's, she's a cop in the city. She's... Mm-hmm. Uh, her and I are really good. She's a good mom, and she's she's army badass. So she's working on getting SWAT team. And yeah, but look what you got now. Oh yeah, God works. He yeah. works. He's there, guys. I'm I telling got, you, I got a, a lovely lady. But and that's that's another thing. It's like getting your like sitting your wife down and saying, "Hey, this is going to cost you as well." Me being an active member of the brotherhood is going to mean time away from you, right? It's going to mean, hey, I'm going to work some more when I don't have to. And when she can champion, when she has buy-in on that uh, and gets understands why, uh, it's a game changer. Because y'all not just involved in us either. Y'all involved in the families. Like y'all had a class with uh, yep. uh, Lickens, yep. wasn't it? Yep. Uh, and y'all had this conversation. Was that kind of like the whole gist of that uh I guess party more or less or get together was to talk about kind of like the job things or was it more spiritual? Uh, it was, it was, uh, it was both him and his wife are, um, a fantastic example of how to do this fire thing successful. So his, uh, his wife has an amazing, uh, story of how to be purposeful at being a fire wife, you know, mm-hmm. like, I don't like calling him that, but yeah. you know, uh, how to thrive when your husband's gone every third day, things like that. So we, again, we took as many new guys and their wives and we cooked them dinner and we sat them around the fire and we uh, just chatted and, and uh, they, they talked about how it went wrong, what that looked like, and then what they've done to learn from it. 
I think they've been married 10 years plus. Mm. So, yes, and that's what's cool, and that's what it's all about. But going back to that reignition, so you, y'all, yeah. you're doing well with like the five and under. These guys, like y'all, the, everything's set straight. But like, what about these guys that are um, above this five year that might be lacking the whole brotherhood thing? Are they kind of just like false hope, or is there still some kind of accountability of letting them know, hey guys, this is still the brotherhood organization. You're still wearing the patch. Like, we really love you to be a part of this. Yeah, but, I th- I think that that is like no that is no word of mouth no marketing they are in need and what used to their friends showed up or one or two guys showed up uh when 15 of us show up Mm -hmm. and do what needs to be done and leave that's what speaks right Mm -hmm. so that is all action um this isn't a if you're in you're in uh again the, the the, the unity is that you work for the same department. Mm-hmm. You ride for the same brand as me. Mm-hmm. So when we hear need or when, you know, and that's, that's a big thing is, is being informed, staying abreast of what's going on in, in the department. Um, but yeah, we just, the, the, the guys that are tenured and uh, maybe in a rut or, or kind of, fighting complacency and things like that. Uh, we just show up, just mm-hmm. be there for them. That's all they, you know, there's these yeah. older hands, these, yeah. these older hands just, you know, they, they set in their ways and they've got it and they don't. Let's, I mean, I, the grand scheme of things, you know, like at least for most of them, they've already went through their, you know, assessment and reaction to how like the initial side of things of the fire service was, you know, their yeah. first few years where people like us and me, like, we're on that rocky terrain right now, you know, and yeah. we're the ones that are needing guidance and ones needing help, you know, yeah. but like, yeah. I s- and, and you were talking about how do you do this for your department is the guys that are coming in. That's what it's kind of getting at is you draw yeah. a line in the sand. Everyone that hires on from here on out will not know how it was before. Mm-hmm. They won't know that when you called, no one answered, they won't know that there's scrubs out there. And, and, you know, these, these guys that are talking noise and, uh, because all they're going to see is guys that want to help, guys that are invested in my success. And so that becomes the new normal. And then eventually, over time, you become the majority. And what is it like? We talked about it before, but like the end goal to this, like the end goal to like, you know, they're starting up here, but now like 20 years goes by and they're leadership. Yeah. And so, essentially, like, now you have a whole reflection of the whole department in the same um, mentality yeah, we, of that. We changed the culture from mm-hmm. the bottom up. It just took 20 years. Yeah. You know. Um, so, now, 20 years from now, the culture is everyone's here for each other. Everyone is invested in the success of the new guys. Orientation and new hire training and all these things matter because the ripple effects have mm-hmm. consequences. But you realize that you couldn't change it from the top down. Is that how you came up with the bottom up? Yeah. Um, it's very easy to blame your admin. It's easy to blame uh, the, the chiefs and captains that are in place and why we are the way we are. Um, and we've got, we've got great officers mm-hmm. um, spread out throughout the department. You work mm-hmm. for a good one. Um, but we can't control that. 
I, as a tailboard fireman, cannot go to an officer meeting and say, this is how the new normal is. You will make your guys train. We are going to stretch lines because it matters. Like, I'm not going to do that, you know. <laughs> but as but as a senior guy, and, and you know, I'm one of the more senior tailboards mm-hmm. at a very short 10 yeah. years, at, 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 you know, only halfway through my career. Um, I think you're one of the probably – most uh, got the most time as a tailboard. Who's got more time? As a there's, a, than there's there's about ten more than me. Ten more? Yeah. Oh. Tailboard. Now you know. Oh. I've got there's guys that are beneath me that have promoted to driver and, um, so yeah, I'm ten years in. I'm well, one day I'll promote. I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I we're just, supposed to, we're supposed to go take classes together. Yeah. That's <laughs> a, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. So uh, I don't know what I was saying. No, he was going over. Um. The end goal. Uh, yeah. yeah. So it's it's changing the culture. Oh, that's right. So what I do have influence is the new guys when they come to my station and they say, hey, how can I help? And here's what this looks like. And here's what the day is going to look like. And, um, you know, hey, do you have a meal planned for tonight? No, I don't know what to do. Okay. This is what this is going to look like. Here you're going to learn some four or five good meals that you're going to use in rotation because you're going to go float all over the city. Mm-hmm. And everyone's going to expect you to have the meal planned. Um, what do you need trained on? Uh, I don't know. When was the last time you stretched lines? Uh, probably orientation. All right, guess what we're doing today? Mm-hmm. We're going to go out and we're going to stretch off the engine and we're going to throw ladders and whatever that, yeah. that looks like. But I could – I don't get me wrong. I like taking naps and mm-hmm. I'm at a station that, that uh, promotes naps. Mm-hmm. Um, but – uh, yeah, when it it's just not it's not it's, about you anymore, right? It's about them, but also so. Say, what is probably one of the biggest challenges you had as you started developing this brotherhood culture in our department? My uh, excitement, or my uh, what I see as the most important thing, isn't what everyone else sees as the most mm-hmm. important, thing. and that's a character flow. Like some of this, you know. Let, I, again, I've this kind of God-given ability to see a need and meet a need. The unhealthy side of that is you become a fixer. You just want to fix Mm -hmm. problems, right? Um, Then uh, the other part is where it can get ugly is where you just have this need to be needed. Mm -hmm. Um, But finding their why, finding like taking all my buddies that were 10 year plus and we said, Hey, I want to start helping you guys. I want to start uh, making sure that uh, there are resources and that we have uh, the ability to move and make things happen is finding their why mm-hmm. to to be a part of it. And, you know, again, guys have busy lives. And uh, so just it's my what I believe the Lord's called me to do. And whether yeah, I have the help. That's great. Sometimes I don't. That's fine. Because it's not an easy thing. And, like, here's another question that to piggy off that is that, so what if you have somebody, like, that's not so, um, kind of like a sour like a sour apple, and he's going to the guys behind you. He's like, well, you, you going to start drinking that Kool-Aid? You, you going to do this and you going to do that? It's kind of like downplaying it and not making it seem so important. What do you, how would you approach that? Um, 
Tenured or not tenured? Mm, nah. I, so, uh, I don't know. yeah, so not tenured is I don't tolerate it. We, mm-hmm. I'll call him out, find out what his issue was. Like, did we miss your need? Did, you know, mm-hmm. uh, where, you know, did the guys fail you somewhere that we can commit to change? Mm-hmm. Um, if you're just talking noise to talk noise, then it ain't going to go well. Mm-hmm. Um, but tenured, I just, a wide berth, just tell the guys, hey, leave him be. Uh, you know, do what you need to to get the day done. Um, but you're not going to, you know, 20 years in, 18-year guys, like, they are who they are. Yeah. And that's fine. Like, mm-hmm. they've fought more fire than we have, and and they see the world a very linear way. Um, but outside, I mean, it's it's easy to tell. Yeah, empower them, ask them, you know, questions, try and get them involved and engaged. Uh, let's fast forward. We've tried all that. You know, they're still just – uh, talking noise. I've had a very up-down reputation in my ten years. I was a two and twenty, came in really eager, got on every committee that they would let me uh, as the new guy. Uh, it wasn't always perceived well. So, uh, like I've I've been on both sides of mm-hmm. of the noise and and the, the chatter and the rumors, and um, I'm also I've kind of. Uh, who my mentors are haven't always had the best reputation. And so I've just kind of been lumped in with, with the guy that, you know, that I've chosen to learn from and study yeah. from. Uh, and that's fine. Like at the point of the, at the end of the day, you have to be able to justify your why uh, is this in line with, with your goals, your vision? Uh, can you put your head on the pillow at night and uh, believe that you've done your best let them talk. I got you. Like, I've watched a lot of mob movies, I, and the, and the mafia did the Brotherhood the best. Like in its true essence, it was family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and you were a horrible Italian. So, oh, yeah, horrible. Yeah, but like your your people knew what they were doing because family meant everything. And just like you said, when you touch family, when you came, and I can hit my brother all day. But when you struck my brother, it's on. Mm-hmm. And at the true essence, you know, these these families came as immigrants uh, and were like, they don't do it the best way. They, mm-hmm. they did some sketchy business. Yeah. But but at at the core, it was we're going to protect our family. We're gonna, our family's going to eat first. Our family's going to thrive. Um, so we're just an underground mom. And at the end of the day, if anyone takes out of anything of this podcast or this conversation is just to quit being selfish and quit doing things as you would do your own family, quit looking at it as a job. It, yeah. This is literally your family, yeah. you know? And I think like things could be changed if it's sideways to be in the better, because I mean, like if, if your brother, hopefully you love your brother and you claim as your brother, and the dynamic's not weird. But like my brother, like I said, if anything happened for him or anything happened to him, like bro, it'd be in, it'd be lifeless. Yeah, you know, like I wouldn't care. And uh, it's just it's hard to fathom in a way, but it's also simple. But um, who are like some of like because what confuses me about your uh, mentality behind this is just like where did it come from? Like, 
I was, I was raised yeah. with it. I was raised with it. So um, both my parent, both my parents are servant leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of going back to I was I was from mentor to mentor. Um, my uh, my dad uh, was if we had enough, we'd go find out who didn't. You know, I multiple times we'd have our shopping cart. And then we'd have a cart we were filling for someone. And we'd just go put the groceries on their on their front door and leave because um, they were in need. Uh, and it wasn't for, again, it wasn't for um, gratification, self-gratification or, or um, uh, show because they didn't know where it came from. Uh, but it was just in their heart. So my mom uh, was very... Uh, active in finding where, you know, her love language is acts of service. Mm-hmm. My love language is acts of service. The brotherhood is an expression of that love language is of what I can, how I can serve you uh, to express how I feel about you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and then when I got here to the States, I, uh, there was a guy at our church and he uh, was kind of, I guess kind of over the deacons, over the servant, the service side of the church. And this guy, he grew up, his parents were uh, kind of deep-rooted Texas politicians. Mm-hmm. So he grew up having these kind of formal dinners and serving these events and, and uh, being uh, exposed to high-end service. Mm-hmm. Well, <clears throat> he had a catering company and he would take all the kids from church, the teenagers, and we were too young to kind of formally work, but he would put us to work and, and we would help set up for these functions and catering events. Mm-hmm. And then he would take us to Florida for the week as a, as a thank you. We'd go skiing or whatever the case is. Really? So, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, so we cool. were, you know, the kind of the youth trips were, yeah. um, and it wasn't, you know, he was, he was kind of the, um, his, one of the lessons I learned from him is you don't work for money, right? You don't work for a paycheck. Um, and we don't work for man that, that the, what's provided to you, uh, comes from the grace of God. And, and so when you remove that, I'm only going to do the minimum to get the paycheck, there's so much more opportunity that right. comes, that's, that comes out of that. That's a crazy perspective. Never yeah, looked at so, it that way. Yeah. That's so cool. I, I learned that at, at 15 years old, um, where we'd have hard work, give it your all, do it to the best of your ability. And then it wasn't associated with, I'm going to get a check after this. We were having fun. We were, you know, we were with our friends and washing dishes at three in the morning and setting up for these 500 people, uh, events. And, and then when end of the year, we'd go out to Florida, Destin, places like that. But anyway, I remember when I first got here, he would pick me up after school and, uh, I'd ride with him, and and uh, we went to one of the uh, one of the ladies in our church just lost her husband. Mm-hmm. So literally, he gets a phone call. All right, I'll be right there. We go to this person's house. Her family's still there. The uh, preacher's there. Like this just happened, mm-hmm. and he just stands in the background, and I'm kind of standing next to him, and he kind of leans over to me as I was with another guy. He goes, Hey, I want you to go strip her bed. 
take all the sheets off her bed, put it in my car. This that's weird. Like, you know, mm-hmm. teenage boy, what on earth are we doing? Yeah. So I do it. The guy with me, he'd kind of been here longer. We just went and did it, stripped all the sheets, all the blankets, all the pillowcases, put it in the in the car, um, and we went and washed them. And he got a meal train going, you know, putting food in her fridge. And I, the whole time, I'm like, what did we do? Why did we do that? Finally, the time comes where I can ask, and he goes, that woman just lost her husband. She is going to be crying in that bed for probably the next three days. The least we could do is put clean sheets on it. And it was that act of service to the nth degree, Mm -hmm. to a detail above what you were going to do. Like, Mm -hmm. yes, getting a shift trade for your buddy is cool and noble, but how can we serve the guy who's serving the guy to the best of our ability? And whether that's get, if we're going to get his kids toys because, you know, he's willing to do this, like that shouldn't be, Mm -hmm. it's, it's no longer why it's the least that I could do. Right. We've all heard that, you know, what, you know, thanks. Oh, it's the least that I could do. Why? You know, we want to do the most that we can do. And that's what this this mentor of mine, uh, his name is Reese Reed. Uh, he he had that muscle flexed. Like that was, mm-hmm. and it is, It's a it, you have to train yourself to find opportunities, find ways to serve. Um, and there's so many of those kind of stories that then coming in here, then you go and ask some burly East Texas fireman, hey, let me strip your sheet so that, you can that I can do your laundry for you mm. and and put meals in your refrigerator while you're going through this tough time. It's a little, yeah. a little daunting. Like you know, yeah. a lot of them are quick to say no, and that's kind of what I'm getting at. Like mm. you're going to serve, you're going to help to that boundary where you feel comfortable. You gotta take a no for an answer. And yes, right. And that no for an answer maybe may that that may be past the boundary, right? Mm-hmm. But but mowing his yard is a quick and easy mm-hmm. way to to say I'm here for you. Um, just y- you find what that is. You know, I was talking to uh, a buddy of mine. Uh, he went through something, and this was another guy. I think we we're about to hire him. He hasn't started yet, but he went and picked his kids up for two days. Like, I'll pick your kids up from school while you're dealing with your wife uh, who's in bed sick. He picked his kids up for two days. Like, you, my mom used to say, behind every excuse is a lack of desire. Mm-hmm. You'll find an excuse to do it just as much as you'll find an excuse not to do it. So, yeah. And then, uh, been able to just kind of take these little lessons and, and it wasn't always, I also spent my first few years kind of fumbling through the place and, and taking our job for granted. And, uh, it, it takes a bit of maturity and to see that there's a better way. Yeah. But there's just, there was something that sparked it. You know, and then I guess you probably did a lot of self, you know, uh, yeah. reflecting on it. And uh, did we talk about like what sparked it, like the actual moment or event that sparked you to drive this passion here in the department? Um, again, I think that it was coming up, not having it, yeah, not having mentors. Um, there's guys I looked up to, and there's guys that are great to work with, and and uh, fun to be around, and. Um, but having, you know, mentorship and this is a different conversation and I, yeah. and you guys talked about it with chief Moore, uh, but mentorship 
used to be a life commitment. You know, if you go back um, into, you know, two, three hundred years ago, when you were an apprentice, like you were an apprentice to a watchmaker, your dad, your family called, spoke to that watchmaker and said, I'm giving you my son to apprentice. He will live with you. You're going to feed him. And in return, you're going to teach him that craft. You're going to teach him how to make this watch, how to uh, be a cobbler, you know, make shoes, whatever that yeah. was back in the day. But it was a lifelong, you gave your life to this apprenticeship. Um, and so that's big on your part to be the apprentice, but to have a mentor that is going to take you in, live with, they're going to live with you. You're going to feed them. In return, you're going to teach them your 40 years of craft, your, your lifelong passion was a huge undertaking. So when you say that I want to mentor someone or I want to be mentored, uh, I think that's taken very seriously, mm-hmm. especially in our craft, especially mm-hmm. when there's so much dynamic to being good at what we do. Yeah, and so the brotherhood just follows. Yeah. You know, man, that's awesome. Yeah. So I was talking to Luckins, um the other day, and I didn't know how financial, like, uh, literate he is. Oh, yeah. Man, he's smart. And the conversations that we've had uh, in the recliners at 10, 11 o'clock at night when the day's done – have just inspired and motivated. And I mean, we are, we definitely strike and ignite each other. It's been mm-hmm. a huge uh, blessing. I think that's another class you need to have in the group is a whole finance class. Cause like from me, me talking to other guys and stuff like that, it's definitely a lack. Yeah, we're definitely, uh, it's on, it's on the books. Um, we tried to do kind of like a Facebook live and just me interview him and ask questions. It's getting so tough. We've got now 50 in our little group. So it's getting tough getting all those guys in the same room. Let's do a podcast on it. It was me, you looking just for the group or for public. We'll do I think, I think we do a finite. I mean, I think, I think the interaction will probably be good for some of the guys to be there physically. Maybe yeah. there's, maybe we can get like a final place to do it or something. Yeah. I mean like even the Sunday coming up, like we're, we try and rotate shifts and I, I mean, I'll be happy if we get 10 to 12 guys show up. So yeah. I'm going. Been, yeah. Yeah, I think it's going to be good. So we talked about all these things that, you know, uh, our beliefs on brotherhood, uh, kind of how it's shaped and formed, at least how we shaped it and formed it that met our department. But now let's talk the after effects of this brotherhood thing. Um, and one of the things I have written down is, is the question was like, or a statement more or less, talk about the impact of the culture in the department when someone feels loved and cared for by being on this team. Yeah, so that kind of goes into uh, retention. You know, um, when they're not looking for more money, when they're not looking for a better department, uh, they they stay. So when they don't feel like they're a number when they don't feel like they are just cattle getting processed. Uh, we don't give them a reason to go look for a better job. Mm-hmm. We become the better job. Mm-hmm. Uh, also they are very quick to pass it on and that's how this thing compounds and that's mm-hmm. how this thing gets aggressive quickly is, 
the guys that started six months ago already have seen, I believe it's tenure, they already have a uh, responsibility to the guys that started three months ago. I was where you were three months ago, shortest time from all these guys. All these guys can help you, but I know exactly what you're going through because I was there mm. three months ago. I'm finally learning the streets, or I'm finally learning how to make uh, coffee for each station the way they want it differently, or eggs, or you know, whatever the case is. Because, uh, believe it or not, every station wants their eggs cooked a different way. Sorry. Thank you. So, <laughs> uh, the... Uh, Finding that out, getting that good, and then giving it to the guy that started three months ago, they're already starting to invest. And now they're like, man, I can't leave. I've got these guys behind me that need me. Mm -hmm. um, and again, you've probably seen that in the military. Like you uh, put in and impart into one caliber of person and then empower him to now give it to the, the guy behind him. Like – that's he starts. Purpose. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. He starts to benefit from that. And also you get to see at a very early age, if this guy's a leader, mm -hmm. right? Not everyone's a leader. Not everyone needs to be a leader, but I want to start giving you little bits at a time mm -hmm. to see what you do with it, where there's no pressure. Can you, and I was talking to, uh, we had a guy, that was part of our station for a year now. He's, he's moved on. Uh, he's about to get checked off. Um, but he could not understand. When we sat him down, we said, the house is yours, right? You make sure that we have groceries in there. You come tell me if the lights are out in the bay. All of this is under your control. Mm -hmm. We're going to help. We're going we're gonna to do our part. Everyone's going to help clean and things like that. But the physical house, the station, is your first command. And when you're cooking, you know, I, I taught him kind of the basics of uh, how to get the meal, how to cook for eight people instead of just him and his wife. You know, all these things. Man, had he's to doing be. good because I've worked with him. I know you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's he's come so far. He's it's, it's awesome to see. But uh, he was he was like, why? What is why is this so important? Because when you get in the back of the ambulance and you have to now delegate responsibilities, you've done this before. We just did it over the Sam's order. Mm -hmm. We just did it over, you know, getting station supplies. Mm -hmm. But now when it comes time for you to be the man, it's simple. We just did it with no pressure. So he's now thriving when it's time to put five medics at his disposal and, uh, go through a, a cardiac arrest or, mm -hmm. you know, things like that. So um, it's kind of line upon line, precept upon precept here, a little there, a little. No, that's awesome. And um, the whole value thing is true. I mean, uh, let's, my story into Longview. Mm. Didn't know what Longview was. Uh, my whole my whole time in the fire service, like I went in the fire service. I thought it was cool. Well, I really didn't know nothing about it. Like I, I was in the Marine Corps. I started panicking, about to be getting out. Didn't know what to do, so I signed up for fire academy. Got out like next week. I was in the fire academy. Why'd you get out? Uh, there's a few reasons. So, um, were you did was there ever a point where you said, I want a career in the military, or was it I just did, to do my service and leave? Uh, what do you say? No, I no? just held them accountable, okay? And because, um, but and there, and there's, um, 
I feel like I know exactly how that conversation. <laughs> yeah. I've been in conversations with you and the guy that we're training, and I think I know exactly how that conversation went. Well, I mean, I just like I just believe in a standard because like the standard yeah. is not something that I set. Yeah, it's something that was set way before me, wow. and my job is to hold that. Wow. And um, but and plus, like you know, like we weren't going back to Afghanistan. Uh, the and I hate to say it, but like my whole purpose in the military, what I wanted to be was revolved around combat. That's, that's it. You know, um, then once I decided, you know, like Cassidy did play a little bit of role in that too. So I was like, it's time to get out. Yeah. I just met her. She's she's awesome. Yeah, she is. She settled me down a lot. Okay. Cause I was not, um, the person you want to bring around your family, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, but, um, but you know, then I was like, man, I was talking, I have a good buddy that, uh, he was a fireman in Lufkin and, Rode out with them uh, one time. I was like, man, I'm used to this. You know, work out and run calls. Seems fun, whatever. So I went to the fire academy and paramedic school right after that. Then Pre-working. Pre-working. Okay. Yeah, so I started working down in an industrial plant while I was down there. Uh, it's called Triangle Rescue. So it's like a standby service where they do like mm. standby rescue where they got a contract for some uh, industrial firefighters okay. at a plant down there. Did that for a little bit. Uh, well, I was like, you know what? I was voided. I was like, man, I like. There's a void in my life, and I was going through a severe amount of depression, like wow. um, of like not having a purpose, purpose. purpose. Yeah. And yeah. Um, it was like really, it was tough, yeah. very, very tough. And um, so I was like, man, I got to get. Uh, I literally got to get into like some kind of degree of like, um, you know, fire department or something like something with a brotherhood. If not, like my wife's gonna come home and my brain's gonna be plastered against the wall. Yeah. Like that's how bad it was. Yeah. And so like, so I got hired at Longview and everything just started rolling. Well, I got here and like, everyone's just so accepting of me and, uh, wanted me to be good. The culture's just like be badass. Yeah. And, and that's like, I'm reading. All Who's over the it. first be badass guy you, you um, Captain Nicholson. It was at the, um, uh, physical. Okay. He's the one that I just solely remember. Okay. And Captain Lawrence with his okay. chest hair hanging out. And yeah. His, uh, booty. I'm like, Rock with this, got it, and yeah. that's uh, those two first st- impressions, yeah. First impressions, and because I really didn't speak out of that. Then going into orientation, someone that, um, I just man, uh, I'm not that kind of way or whatever, but I fell in love with Conrado, yeah, you know, like his, he, his leadership, his articulation yeah. of like how much he cared, like his genuine like care, yeah, and um. Yeah. And how he can translate that into you caring. Yes. Because like you guys talked about it on the last episode. Like you cannot motivate someone. It no. has to come within. But you get around motivated people and it's easy to find it with Yeah. It. You know what I mean? It was. And that's him, what it him was. And I, him and I went and played golf the other day. And we couldn't get through 18 holes because we just talked so much. Like we would just stop and, hey, what is your thoughts on this? Oh, I love that. Like I got to write that down. It was it was an awesome experience. And he's, he's, again, strike and ignite. Like Make me better. I'll make you better. Make me better. I'll make you better. Man, I don't. I don't want to suck his dick too much, but like, man, he just. Please don't. <laughs> but it's just one of the people that I mean. You're just, um, no matter what, how you feeling in life, like go talk to him, and your life is going to be thirty times better. Yeah. You know what I mean? And uh, that yeah. he just made a drastic impact on my life uh, wow. when I went into there. But you know this. Uh, and he's at one. You guys have got yeah. Some, I know. Killers at, at one. We're stacked. Yeah. But um, best then, house in the city. Then, you know, I went to um, Station 6, uh, Captain Letty, Jake, and, and mm. Crop Chuck made a good impression on me. Then, But Jake's somebody, great. 
that I started making a relationship with early on, and I was, I mean, I was straight at rookie status. I was like two weeks, but talking to him is Trent. Trent you know, Montgomery, Captain yeah. America. And so now we developed, you know, yeah. an inseparable bond. But it's And we started talking shit to each other. I'm yeah. telling you, if you could talk shit to somebody, I mean, that's your best friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, so, uh, funny thing. Trent is what I told everyone in South Africa what America is like. Because when I met Trent, he was a star football player. He was dating the, the star cheerleader, whatever she was. Drove a Chevy, white picket fence, like... To a foreign guy from little tip of Africa, he was as as American as America gets, and so that's why I call him Captain America. Like, <laughs> was, this was, guy is uh, is textbook. Put him on the Wheaties box. Oh, absolutely! And I remember like you know being so new, then I see uh, you know Trent and uh, Johnny Knoxville riding in the ambulance. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. Robbie and bro, I just would die laughing. They were always talking shit, having a good time and stuff. But you just tell they had a bond. And now I started really like I took a step back and started assessing everybody. And I seen like there are some people that are standoff, but there's also some people that had some really good relationships. Yeah. And um, then got to meet people like you. I think was the first time I met you. Was that the time we went and moved your house out, or would I meet you before then? No. Yeah, I'd met you. We, okay. We had worked shift together. A couple That's shifts right. Before. That's right. Um, but um. You know, and then I just fell in love with this. And then like once I fell in love with something, when someone's put care into me, like I feel like I owe my life to them. Yeah. It's a hundred percent loyalty yeah. after that. Yeah. And so Yeah, it's a brand. And that's it. And so like now I'm hundred percent invested and I just want to be good and I yeah. want to be able to offer it to give like those guys, you know, the men and women of Longview, uh yeah. fire department, my everything. You know, yeah. that's why I do the job. I don't do it for the citizens. I'll do it for the city. I don't, I do it for yeah. them. That's it. So yeah, they benefit, but yeah, they, they benefit from yeah. me, but, um, and I do I try to do my job very well, yeah. but that's not my purpose. Right. You know? Yeah. But that's kind of me. Like, uh, I kind of went off rabbit hole with that, but and then just, TBM is last year or so, or how yeah. long, when did this come into play? So TBM? Yeah. About a year. And it was just, so this is a retarded ass story. So, um, I was sitting in the gym in Fort Worth, and uh, I was working out. I've always been kind of big in workout clothes and stuff, so I was like, "Man, I wish there was like some like a fire department clothing that would involve athletic wear." That because we're very prideful, we love being firemen. We like mm. we want people to know that we're firemen, if mm. we say it or not. <laughs> you yeah. know, we're very prideful. Yeah, I was like, I wish there was like some like workout clothes that kind of represented us, but it wasn't like too motivating. You know, like I got your brother's back and. Uh, I fight what yeah, you fear. Yeah, all that bullshit. So um, I was like, man, I'm going to start this. So I t- called one of my buddies, Heath, the guy that I used to be on here with, and told him everything. I called my buddy Fux and told him everything. What's his name? His name's Fux, but he was in the Marines with me. So Got it. And so it just kind of just trumbled down. And uh, I wanted it. So I was trying to find ways to market it and stuff, and podcasts came to mention, and uh, I felt like, it would have been a good positive way of um, yeah. giving back. And when's, when are you launching – when can we buy stuff? So, actually, it's in the last final stage of production. So, all my T-shirts That's are awesome. done. And now I'm waiting on uh, Adcock to finish my uh, tanks. Okay. Then it's rolling out. You excited? I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited. See where it goes. See people. Hopefully, people like it. I yeah. I got to start working on another set. I'm going to do little bits. Like, I'm going to just constantly, like, do, like, a T-shirt or two and just keep it always running. Okay. You know, Um that way, like, we honestly don't keep a lot of overstock and have people, like, not always just trying to catch up, you know, or having to buy everything at once, you know. Yeah. So as things come out, they can get everything there and save their money to buy the next things that come out. Gotcha. If they care to buy And then the podcast is just going to kind of run parallel with 
Yes, it was. So, Brandon, or do you think it'll kind of separate? Man, I think it's going to end up somewhat separating, maybe, because I initially did the podcast for the apparel, but now that it's kind of dude turned it around, and now it's the apparel for the podcast. I see. So, um, yeah. just because the podcast kind of took off, and it's fun to do, and it's just like I don't know. I think it's, uh, man, what's a good word? Uh, I think it's very purposeful. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because I get to come over here and have these conversations yeah. and perspectives, and hopefully people can watch this video and listen to it on the road and very they get to kind of sit in on it and be a part of it. And that's one thing I was telling Velez and Cap and stuff the other day. I was talking, I was like, because uh, the podcast was really more really well, and they was like, man, I was, I was like, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for being a part of this and stuff because, yeah. like, it's not about me. Like, I don't want TBM to ever be, like, a brand of – Gunner Michelle, because I want it to be a brand of like us yeah. as a whole. Yeah. Because one day I will perish and people will have to take it over. Yeah. And so that's what I wanted to represent. And, um, you know, if I decide to sell it or give it away one day, like I can give it to like Velez or somebody and they can run with it. Yeah. And it's, and it will still succeed because it's not about me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And, um, that's awesome. And that's kind of the model. I mean, in a nutshell. Yeah. <laughs> That's super exciting. I'm glad, uh, <laughs> glad to be a part of it and glad oh, to see, yes. it, see it from its infancy. And, and that's what I'm saying, like, with you and have the conversations that we and you've had, like, you've taught us so much. And you're always, like, the brother thing, he's always, he's there when you need him. Like, hey, Julie, I need this and this and that. Even though I didn't use the GoPro the other day, but, because um, we didn't need it. But, like, I was like, hey, Julie, I'm going to buy it. I need something. Yeah. Good things happen. <laughs> I, uh, I've made a lot of money from hearing what people need and knowing people that have it <laughs> and just putting the two together. I'll call uh, up, Hey, I got a, someone who needs this. What's your, what's your finder's fee? So that's yeah, yeah. the way it is. But yeah, man, I, I mean, I guess in, uh, in closing, love your department, love your company, love the guys you work with. Um, pride and, and loyalty yeah, and, love. And, then, and act, act on it. Yeah. If I could sum up brotherhood at all, it'd be pride, loyalty and love. Yeah. You're prideful good, what you are. You're yeah. loyal to what you are, yeah. and you love who you're doing yeah. it with. Yeah, exactly. And and that, that and that gets you know, it, you, there's this concept: the house, the house, the house. So the house being the fire department, loyalty, pride for the fire department that you're a part of. The house, your company, your station, um, being accountable. Like, hey, you know, and we we talk mm-hmm. about it like you know, uh, you and six like. You know, one's better than six or you know, one runs more calls or six runs more calls or like those kind of little beefs, like mm-hmm. they matter. You know, oh, company yeah. culture matters. Mm-hmm. Find, start company culture. That's how you get guys for with buying. That's how you retain these guys is have companies worth coming to. Every time you guys have an opening at 1A, you get a list of people that mm-hmm. want to be there because you guys have some culture to it. 1C's doing that. 3A's had that company culture. My whole career, they uh, they get a list because their officer is someone that believes in it. Who is it? Colby Beckham. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. I thought so. Three A. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, and I, I mean, I don't know. I think this is fun. It's kind of these like unofficial written rules things. But you know, what are your company traditions? What do you? What is your company culture? And maybe it's a comment on the YouTube on this video is yeah. uh, I'd like to see all the company traditions that are out Let's there. Let's do that. Yeah. Um, You're listening. Do that. Yeah. My favorite one down in Houston is if, uh, and I, I won't say which one, but if they beat you to your fire, so if they come to your first due and they stretch the line on your first due, they take a pole and they stab it with their flag, like they're planting their flag on your fire. 
Like that is badass. That is dude. cool. I love stuff like that. That um, is cool. So yeah, I think there's all kinds of cool things out there. I'm curious to know that. Yeah. I never even thought about that. Yeah, I, I uh, you know, what makes your company someone want to be a part of? Like, yeah, what? Why does your? Why do people want to work for your officer? What? What do you have out there? But like, there's heritage, and that starts somewhere. You know, especially FDNY, these guys mm-hmm. have had this company uh, logo, name, culture for 80, 90, 100 years, some of them. Um, I'm, I love that kind of stuff. I know. And it starts somewhere. FDNY. And it, well, yeah. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, so you have the house, your department, your house, your company, and then you individually, your house. What are you doing to succeed individually? What are you reading? Who are you around? What influences? Who are your mentors? How do you get mentors? Um, all those things matter. Cool. Well, guys, thank you for listening. Juice, thank you so much for coming Absolutely. on and sharing Thanks your perspectives, man. It's been awesome. Yeah. I honestly say to me, this feels like one of the best podcasts I've done so far. Well, I it's appreciate up there with it. It's just good conversation. I'll and, come back uh, anytime you need me. If you call me, I'll, I will get to you eventually, but it okay. might be two to three weeks later. Okay. So. Just, yeah, you know, I'll, you I'll, send a, I'll send a bird this way. It'll, it'll get, <laughs> here, get here before you reply to a message. <laughs> oh, cool. All right, guys, thank you for watching. Uh, please like, comment, and share our videos. Uh, subscribe to us on YouTube. And, guys, uh, messages, outreaches, anything y'all have ideas that you want us to talk about and conversate on, please reach out to us. If you're interested in being a guest or you have somebody that wants to be a guest on here, please reach out to us. We'll make things happen. I uh, got a few podcasts coming up. I got a podcast coming with Caleb Holloway pretty soon. Uh, like I said, he's in the Deepwater Horizon during the uh, BP oil, oil spill. It's going to be crazy. a very good podcast. Yeah, I cannot wait. Uh, he's always been a family friend. Oh, wow. And I also got uh, Paul Howell uh, owns a, a – it's a gun range, and they also do training for, like, military police. He was on Delta uh, with the famous movie Black Hawk Down. He was – One of the real – One of the real deals. That's a – that's some high pedigree. Yep. So why do you have me here? <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. No, I so, can't wait. Awesome. No, don't feel that way. Okay. But all right, guys, thank you for watching. Peace out.